Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Popcorn and Compliance, a podcast where, with Jay Rosen, we take a look at movies from the compliance perspective. But before we get to our podcast, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? You Would you like to explore some compliance topic? Well, I have founded the Compliance Podcast Network, and I'm looking for new podcasters. If you've wondered how you might start a podcast, please listen to our sponsor, One Stone Creative. If you are enjoying this show, you might enjoy hosting your own. As an expert in your field, you have skills, knowledge, and insight that can help you expand your practice, meet new people, and create amazing content to share with the world. In as little as two hours a week, you can dramatically change how you promote, fill, and position your business, and One Stone Creative can show you how. Learn more at onestonecreative.net. In honor of the holidays, Jay and I take a look at the classic holiday favorite, Elf, from the compliance perspective. We talk about the film, some of the highlights for us. I take a look at the musical soundtrack and how I thought it worked, and Jay, of course, gives the story from the screenwriter perspective. Popcorn and Compliance is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, the Compliance Evangelist, back again with Jay Rosen, Mr. Monitors, for the second new episode of Popcorn and Compliance. In honor of the holiday season, we decided to do a holiday movie. So this week, we are going to do Elf the Movie. Jay, uh, this turns out to be one of the critics' favorites of Christmas movies. Um, It has been ranked as high as number one in the list of all-time great uh, Christmas films. Uh, Several listings right uh, right in the top five. Uh, Entertainment Weekly, The Guardian, Hollywood Reporter, Forbes, uh, and others. So uh, Fandango rated it number one. it's clear, uh, truly a favorite. Uh, it's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, what are uh, you want to take a take a breakdown for us on some of the highlights uh, from your recovering screenwriter perspective? Yeah. Um, first of all, before we get into the storyline, um, one of the things that I think is really endearing about Buddy, um, as portrayed by Will Ferrell, is he is kind of a lost soul in a world that he doesn't understand. And in this world, he's the biggest elf ever, and he ends up in New York City, and the only experience he has is being in the North Pole. And movies that I liken this to are um, Big Tom Hanks, when, as we all know, he wished on the Zoltar machine and wanted to be bigger, and that's what happened to him. Uh, there's a movie called 13 Going on Third, Jennifer Garner. Uh, there's the original Freaky Friday that you and I probably remember with Jodie Foster. And then they did a remake. And if you want to go back to some um, literary tradition, you have The Prince and the Pauper. And you have A Tale of Two Cities where, again, we have people being taken out of their element and trying to uh, learn the rules in their new uh, situation. So uh, oh, well, basically, as we further, uh, let me just jump in there, because uh, actually I was thinking about this. And as you know, I think there are two stories. Uh, Hero um, takes a journey or stranger comes to town. And uh, I would take this actually back to the uh, Tale of Gilgamesh, uh, where Gilgamesh takes the journey. 
and meets the stranger Enkidu, and, the, and then Enkidu comes to the city. So um, I see this really as a, as a, a very long-standing tradition of storytelling. Um, do you see this as hero takes the journey or stranger comes to town? I think we can we could split it right down the middle. I think it has elements of both. Um, I think it's more uh, stranger comes to town for me because I don't really see uh, Buddy going through the uh, you know the, the training and having to slay the dragon. I think uh, Buddy Moore learns how to allow his uh, spirit and his infectiousness and his uh, just worldview to permeate the folks who are kind of trapped in the Christmas doldrums. So I would say more stranger comes to town. Okay. Well, Inky do appreciate you. Okay. So why don't you uh, give us a little set the scene and uh, you can take us through the conflict and then I can take us, uh, take us home after that. So as you correctly note, buddy, the elf is the largest elf ever. Uh, and it's because he's not an elf. He's a human. He was uh, accidentally um, picked up by Santa when he delivered packages to an orphanage, and Buddy climbed into his uh, bag. Nevertheless, uh, and uh, he was wearing uh, Buddy diapers, so that's how he got the name Buddy the Elf. Um, But he becomes an elf uh, in training and is rotated through uh, several elf tasks and toy making uh, and other tasks, uh, which he um, does not really successfully have the elf talents. So at that point in the story, uh, his father, his adoptive father, uh, Papa Elf, played by Bob New, tells him the truth that he uh, came. He's adopted. Uh, first of all, his mother gave him up for adoption. And then the story of the orphanage and how he gets to um, the North Pole. He tells him about his dad, his, his biological father, Walter, who's played by James Kahn. And so Buddy decides to uh, to go see him in New York City, and he has some journey. Uh, we see a little bit of it. Uh, they play the wonderful theme music of um, the song, or excuse me, of the movie. And uh, he gets to New York, and at that point, as you note, uh, he really is a fish out of water. Um, there are several scenes of uh, just uh, childlike awe where he goes in a revolving door. He uh, eats... Um, uh, used gum off of uh, subway entrances. He um, plays in snow. He uh, takes every uh, uh, piece of paper that's being passed out by hawkers in front of stores and really uh, just uh, shows uh, what a childlike odd is to be in a place like New York City at Christmas time. He does uh, find his father. His father uh, immediately recognizes uh, Buddy's mother. Uh, from old photographs, and and uh, he doesn't immediately accede to being the biological father. He does require a DNA test, but the DNA confirms that. And so he takes Buddy to his home. His um, current wife, I guess, is uh, his only wife. He never married Buddy's mother. Um, they have a child, and uh, James Conn character works uh, all the time. That's his driving force in life. And so they're they're fearing the child is is. Uh, very lonely. He wants his father. The wife wants her husband. And uh, Buddy helps facilitate their all coming together. The uh, There's a wonderful scene where Buddy uh, meets uh, James Conn's son, who uh, 
uh, is bullied. He's a little bit smaller, and he's bullied, and he's attacked by boys in Central Park with snowballs. And uh, I was not aware of this till I saw the movie, but elves are the greatest snowball uh, makers and aimers in the world. And Buddy just annihilates a pack of uh, ravenous throwball, snowball throwers in Central Park. So um, his uh, brother and he really bond over that. Uh, they hang out and have some great fun. But he also uh, finds a love interest, uh, the lovely uh, Zoe de Chanel, um, who plays a female elf in the Gimbal North Pole store for children. And um, he uh, has some pretty uh, cute scenes where uh, he uh, uh, asks her out to dinner. Uh, they go ice skating. Uh, he kisses her. She kisses him back. And uh, that was all very cute as well. But the uh, it all comes to a head. <clears throat> One of the jobs Buddy had had that he inherited from his father at the North Pole was to fix the rocket engine on Santa Sleigh. You may not know this, Jay, but uh, Santa actually has a rocket on there. It's not simply um, the reindeer who uh, provide the horsepower. And uh, I, I thought he was a green santa so it's a little bit uh disconcerting to realize that there are fossil fuels involved in his christmas trip around the world i knew that would bother you um so as santa is going through central park uh because the christmas spirit is so low the uh, sleigh uh crashes and uh buddy stumbles upon santa and they find um the rocket engine and buddy puts the uh the uh, engine on just as in time uh, time for the uh, escape from the uh, uh, people who have uh, been permanently put on the naughty list, the Central Park Mounted Police, who are charging after Santa. Uh, there's a wonderful scene where uh, Zooey uh, leads the um, uh, Central Park uh, group of people uh, in you, um, Santa Claus is coming to town, and uh, they save the day, Buddy saves the day, and he and Santa go off to the North Pole. And the final scene is Buddy, his now wife, uh, uh, It's her name is Jovi in the movie. Uh, and they have a, uh, a young elf, Susie the Elf, I believe, and they're with Papa Elf at the North Pole. So happy ending for everyone. Really some uh, great scenes in New York City around uh, Macy's Gimbals, Central Park, uh, in the shopping district. Uh, long time square uh that are really a lot of fun uh, some nice snowfalls made uh, made it good for the movie uh there was one thing i would like to call out jay um was the music and of course we had numerous christmas carols sleigh ride let it snow uh baby's cold outside jingle bells nutcracker santa baby winter wonderland and santa claus is coming to town but there were two that really uh stuck out for me and struck me because they made uh, they were not Christmas carols. They were jazz songs, uh, but they really set the scenes. And that was the opening scene on Pennies from Heaven uh, by Louis Prima. And then in the final scene where he leaves with Santa was Nothing from Nothing by one of my favorite artists, uh, Billy Preston. So the score to the film, I thought, was uh, a, an integral part of the movie in a very overt way. Uh, usually a score is not as overtly integral uh, but it's certainly integral. So I really enjoyed uh, the score. Uh, perhaps you might tell us a little bit about the uh, director because he's had a really interesting career. Yeah. So um, 
Some of you might remember uh, John from Roe from the independent movie Swingers that came out in 1996. And prior to that, um, he had done a few made-for-TV movies. He had a bit part in Rudy. But, um, you know, besides making his debut in Swingers, he also wrote the script. So Swingers was him and Vince Vaughn and Ron Livingston. And after that, uh, Favreau got a chance to direct and made a picture in 2001 called Made. And it was about two bumbling uh, wannabe mafiosos. And it was him and Vince Vaughn. And, you know, it didn't stray too far away from their indie roots. But then we come to 2003 and he gets involved with the property Elf. And I really think he made a, a quantum leap from making these small personal um you know, independent movies to making uh, Elf. And Elf was distributed and produced at the time by New Line Cinema, which is now a part of, um, I guess it's Time Warner, but Time Warner is now owned by AT&T. So it, it's got another name. But uh, one of the things that New Line was really known for was uh, being high concept and making their own movies. And then we flash forward from 2003 to 2008, Favreau makes Iron Man and then Iron Man 2. And then after that, he follows it with a very underrated film called Cowboys and Aliens, which came out in 2011, starring Daniel Craig, the current James Bond. And uh, as you can imagine, it's a mashup of a cowboy movie with uh, alien elements. And if you really haven't had a chance to watch that, I would uh, put it on your uh, DVD uh, queue or your – you know, downloaded off Netflix. Then uh, he made another personal movie that I really recommend called Chef about a very, um, a guy who's really tied into his, the whole restaurant theme scene in LA and um, Venice. And he's cooking for the chefs and cooking for those Michelin stars. And he's not really cooking for himself. Then finally, um, uh, Favreau had another breakthrough a couple of years ago in 2016 with a live action version of Disney's Jungle Book. And now it's going to be coming out next year, which will probably be another probably billion dollar property for Disney, is they've recreated the Lion King using the same techniques that he used in the Jungle Book. So it looks like it's live animals, but they're really photorealistic. So uh, Favreau, I think, has really had a kind of career that you would love to have by coming up, being true to his independent roots, and then getting opportunities to um, you know, really entertain and tell stories with heart. And uh, I think Elf really was the crux of the situation where he – really came out there and, um, you know, blew a lot of people away. And I think you and I are both charmed by the, the good nature and the great feelings that come from this movie. Um, Will Ferrell, when he was on Saturday Night Live, always really played every character to the hilt. And I was um, in prepping for our podcast. I was reading an old review from um, uh, Roger Ebert. And he basically said that, um, you know, this – this movie had all the opportunities for it to go wrong with, uh, you know, an oversized elf and there could have been uh, really bad jokes made. But I think the, the, the good heart of Will Ferrell goes through and I think it's an infectious and makes this uh, a wonderful Christmas treat for both children and adults alike. So, uh, Jay, did you were you able to discern any compliance lessons from elf? 
I got three. So let me tell you, um, just like Buddy realizes uh, when he comes to New York City, uh, things are not always as they seem. And if you get no calls on your helpline, that may be a sign that everything is okay. But maybe no calls means that your organization lacks a speak-up culture, and you might want to look into the situation while that is happening. Uh, the second takeaway I have is it takes time to learn about your environment and discover how to act accordingly. And this argues for our chief compliance officers and ethics and compliance practitioners to get out of your office on the floor, get into the environment of the field and be with your employees and see how they conduct business and see where you can be of help. And the third thing I take away is that we know Buddy came from a foreign culture, but he continued to initially act like he was in the North Pole, even though he was warned not to pick up the hidden candy on the streets of New York like you alluded to, he did. In time, Buddy learned the rules of the city and by using his sweet nature, he combined what he knew to get results and the big bad apple. So the um, the uh, takeaways I took from the movie, uh, let me go back to the music, because that for me, it was really striking. And the, uh, not so much the Christmas carols, but the two I alluded to, um, Pennies from Heaven and Nothing from Nothing. Uh, and it really drove home to me that you you can be creative in your compliance training and your communications. You can use things like audio. You can use things like video. You can even use things like uh, music. We have one friend, one colleague, Ronnie Feldman, who uses comedy. And he uses comedy in communication. Certainly Second City uh, has a comedy routine for their compliance training. But with training, in many ways, Jay, uh, you're only – limited by your imagination. Uh, the second thing was um, Buddy uh, always had a smile. He always looked uh, looked on the brighter side of life to, to uh, cross uh, mismatch my metaphors. Um, but um, his uh, it, it, for me, one of one of the uh, keys was um, he stayed on message and that message was, um, to always look on the brighter things, to see the best in people, to see the best in every situation. And he was really able to turn it around, um, turn around the uh, the family, turn around his father, his biological father, uh, and turn around uh, Sa uh, Santa's situation when uh, Santa was, uh, was pretty desperate to uh, deliver the toys to all the boys and girls who were on the nice list and not getting a lump of coal on the, uh, the naughty list. And then finally, James Kahn. Um, a fairly typical workaholic father uh, in the publishing industry, um, a pretty cutthroat industry. Um, and, and finally, uh, near the end of the movie, Jay, he recognized that um, his his son was, uh, if not more important, at least equally important. And he, and he left the job. Uh, he walked out on his big boss uh, to spend time with his son who actually needed him. But that led to the realization that he could become a publisher. And so uh, the message there is uh, be prepared if you're a compliance practitioner when the opportunity uh, presents itself. It may not present itself in a manner like a CEO walking down and putting his hand on your shoulder and saying, I want you to be the next CCO. You may actually have to take a short detour. You may have to uh, see a door close so that another opens, but be ready for that opportunity and take advantage of it. So uh, a message for the CCO as well. 
Uh, Jay, you came up with a, a great rating system that uh, we're going to use going forward. Um, would you like me to give you my rating first this week, or do you want to go? You go first, sir. So um, I'm going to give this, our rating system is overflowing bucket of popcorn, a full bucket of popcorn, a half full bucket of popcorn, and a near empty bucket. I'm going to give this a full bucket of popcorn. I will also agree on the popcorn meter and go with full. I think it's, uh, as I said before, a wonderful holiday movie. And, uh, you know, I haven't seen it probably since it came out. And it was uh, a real good time spent uh, watching with the family. So I hope everyone will check it out uh, between now and uh, the holidays. And uh, we'd love to hear back any uh, compliance and ethics messages that you get after you see the film. So, Jay, uh, you want to take us home for this episode of Popcorn and Compliance? Sure. On behalf of uh, Tom Fox, the Compliance Evangelist, and myself, Jay Rosen, Mr. Monitor, we'd like to thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Popcorn and Compliance, the movie's Elf. Hello again, this is Tom Fox. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Popcorn and Compliance, and I hope you'll join us again after the first of the year when Jay and I take a look at our next movie. If you have any questions on this podcast, you can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. You can email Jay at jrosen at affiliatedmonitors.com. We want to wish you and your family a most joyous holiday season and Merry Christmas. Popcorn and Compliance is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.